Welcome to Kingdom Leadership. In Matthew 20 and 25, Jesus called his disciples together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentile lord over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not that way among you, but whosoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. God has called us to lead in a way that serves others and advances the kingdom of God. Please join our hosts as they discuss scriptures, principles, and strategies for leading in a way that brings glory to God and blesses you and those you serve. You may also visit us online at IamAKingdomLeader.com to submit your questions or access past episodes. Let's go. Hello, Kingdom Leaders. This is Dr. Arlene Green, and I'm so excited you've joined us for our first inaugural episode of Kingdom Leadership, where our goal is to disciple, meaning train, equip, prepare you so you can advance God's kingdom, meaning we can lead in a way that brings him glory and draws other people to him. We want to equip you to do all that God has called you to do and do it in a way in which he would be pleased. So when you join us, and we hope you do, we're going to spend time talking about scripture and practical applications that show us how we can lead in a way that will advance his kingdom. We are all leaders. You know, every time you have an opportunity to influence someone in a positive direction, that is a leadership opportunity. And it's our desire that in those moments, we all show up as kingdom leaders, meaning we show up in a way that God would be pleased and say, well done his good and faithful servants. So today our topic is the leadership crisis, and we're going to come from the book of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. And verse 26 is the foundational scripture for the Leadership Training Institute, a ministry we lead at our church. Uh, Myself, Charles Brazil, Karen Abrams, our pastor, lead at our church. And there is so much wisdom and instruction in these verses that I really wanted to start here. I titled this episode, The Leadership Crisis, because I feel like we're in one right now, both in the United States and around the world. I was looking at some statistics, and 62% of people in the U.S. consider themselves Christians, and a third of the people around the world, so 62% in the United States, a third of people around the world consider themselves Christians or followers of Christ. So my question is, if Christ is such an amazing, life-giving, kingdom-advancing servant leader, why are so many of us working for what we consider to be bad managers and bad leaders? I mean, what's going on? (laughs) I hear it from my friends. I'm sure you hear it from your friends. If so many of us are Christians, how is it that so many of us are also working for really bad leaders? So I want to share with you a study. Um, Those who know me know I'm a researcher at heart, and I really love it when research catches up to the truth that's already been established in God's word. But one study in 2012, a survey of Americans in the U.S. showed that 65% of Americans said they would rather get rid of their boss. Uh, That would make them happier than a salary increase. So they'd rather have their boss be gone than get more money. And that's more than half of the people that were surveyed. And I found that really surprising. I mean, it's not surprising that if you're working for a bad leader or bad manager, you'd rather see them gone than more money. I totally get that. I've worked in very difficult leadership situations, so I totally understand that. 
But what did surprise me is that 65% of us are working in that scenario, working for people that we don't consider to be good leaders. So my question is really, are you one of them? Am I one of them? Are we working for them? And really what's going on? Why is that the case? And most importantly, what can we do about it? So I mentioned for our scripture, we're going to focus on the book of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. And we're really going to focus on verses 25 through 28. And verse 25 starts with the word, but. And anytime you see that word in scripture, it means we have to know the context that was going on before that word. So I'm going to start with summarizing 20 through 24, and then we'll read verses 25 through 28. So starting at verse 20. The mother of James and John comes to Jesus, bowing down, so in, a, in what looks to be a worshipful position, and she asks him if her sons, James and John, could sit at Jesus' right and left-hand sides when he establishes his kingdom on earth. So the right and left sides, meaning places of promotion, places of influence, places of authority. And Jesus replied and said, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I am going to drink? And we all know that Jesus drank a cup of suffering. And immediately, and probably without thinking or really understanding, they said, we can. So Jesus then replied and said, you will drink from the cup. But it's not his place to determine who will be on the right or left. That was already established for those to whom that place was prepared. Basically, those who keep the faith. And we know that James and John did drink from the cup of suffering. Right? James was murdered for his faith. John was exiled, so we know that they both did, you know, great, great people of God did suffer for the sake of Christ. So with that context, um, you know, the other disciples hear this conversation, and they were probably a little put off. It's like they probably all wanted to be at the top. It's saying, hey, why should they get the promotion? Why should they get the places of authority? We've all been working. And so with that context, Jesus calls them over to himself, the whole group, and speaks. So let's start reading in verse 25, and I'm going to read from the NIV version today. So starting in 25, the word says, But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. Not so with you. And I love those words, not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we want to uncover what are the principles of leadership that Jesus is teaching us in these scripture. And the first principle is he's telling us what we should not do. He says that we're not to lord our rulership over others and not to exercise authority over someone like the rulers of the Gentiles. So I was looking at some information on the rulers during this time. So there are a number of rulers, but I looked up two. Pontius Pilate, who was the governor of the time, he was essentially the political and military leader. And then there was Caiaphas, who was the religious leader of the time. And I looked at some of the ways that historians, commentators, authors have described them. So Matthew Henry, who's a commentator on the Bible, said, the, gentle, the Gentiles pursued and prided themselves in authority and dominion. They would bear sway and have everyone truckle and bow to them. They would have it cried before them, bow the knee like Nebuchadnezzar, who killed and kept alive at pleasure. 
Another author described Pontius Pilate as brutal and wavering, killing whom he thought was in his way out for self. Someone described him as oppressive, greedy, stubborn, cruel, and that he antagonized the Jews. And when I hear antagonized, I think about messy, you know, stirring up stuff for you today, not for you tomorrow. Caiaphas, who was the religious, essentially, leader of the day, was described as a rude and sly manipulator, an opportunist, that he did know the meaning of fairness or justice, and he was bent on having his own way, and one author said, by hook or by crook. So if you were to characterize the leaders of this day, what would you say about them? I mean, I would say, listening to that, I would say that Jesus is instructing us not to be selfish, not to be out for self, not to be prideful, and not to enjoy holding power over others. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to be in a position of authority. I mean, one of my managers used to say, it's good to be queen. And I get that. She was an awesome manager, and I totally understand that. Because when you're in charge or in a position of authority, you have an ability to do a great deal of good and to ensure that things go right. So there's nothing wrong with feeling called to positions of authority. It's only wrong if we're using it for selfish reasons. The author of my study Bible said, God does not intend for us to use our authority for self-importance, ambition, or respect, but for useful service to God and his creation. You know, God said in his word, the diligent will rule. We're going to be above and not beneath. That he put us on this earth to have dominion. So there's nothing wrong with power. It's only wrong if we're using it for the wrong reason or we're using it in the wrong way. So I was thinking about this. You know, it's so easy when we read the Bible to think about, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that a long, long time ago. Or even to think of people we work with or live with or know that operate in this way. But the Bible is really, I feel like, best used for self-instruction. What can we each learn for ourselves? And so I was thinking about, when have I done this? And I think I've been most guilty of this as a parent. You know, as a parent, you have a lot of rulership and authority. And if we let it, it can really go to our head. I was remembering a time, my daughter was in middle school, and I was working a job that was somewhat stressful, lots of hours. And my husband was working a different different hours. So in the evening, it was pretty much me, you know, after school through the evening, it was pretty much me. And I remember one day I learned she had done something she wasn't supposed to do in school. And I got so frustrated. Um, and I'm gonna tell y'all my daughter is a sweetie pie. I hope you all think that about your children as well. But I'm telling you mine is. But I got so angry that I remember yelling at her and hitting the wall out of frustration. And when I did that, I could see the look on her face of one fear and two, like, what is wrong with this woman? And I felt so bad. I mean, I apologized to her and I vowed never to do it again. But I think as a parent, there's not always someone around to check us. You know, a lot of times, especially when we're alone with our children or even as a teacher in a classroom, when there aren't other adults around, um, you know, one of the reality stars said one time, who's going to check me, boo? It's, it's kind of like that. When you're alone with your children, who's going to check you? And so you have to allow the Holy Spirit to check you. Otherwise, ego, frustration, your rulership, your authority can all mix together. And we can be exactly the people that Jesus called us not to be. You know, so for me, it was parenting. But what is it for you? When do you think you are leaning in on your rulership and authority? 
When are you leveraging your position of power for respect instead of for godly service to his creation? You know that we, meaning people, are God's precious creation. He gave us his Holy Spirit. So he cares a great deal, immensely, about how we treat other people. So if we're not going to lord our rulership or exercise our authority in positions of power, what should we do? Right, so I always said it's fine to be in a position of power. So if we're not doing those things, what should we do? So you go back to Matthew chapter 20 and verse 26 says, not so with you. Again, we're not going to do that lording of our rulership. So Jesus says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And I know a lot of people have trouble with the word servant. I was remembering in one of my jobs, we were focused on rolling out a servant leadership model to the organization. And there were many leaders who had trouble with the word servant, and we actually could, could never get it approved and rolled out. And I've heard similar feedback on the word humility. And I think when some of us hear the word servant, we think it means we're less than someone else. We have so many negative connotations with that word, and maybe with the concept too. But I like the quote my friend Karen shared. And it came from, it, it stems from Rick Warren, and he was talking about humility, but Karen used it in the context of servant leadership. And she said that being a servant is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. You know, so thinking of yourself less often. And C.S. Lewis said something similar about humility. He basically said, if you're a humble person, I'm paraphrasing, if you're a humble person, you're not walking around thinking about how can I be more humble? Instead, you're probably not thinking about yourself at all. And that really aligns with the way the Bible instructs us to think about and treat other people. You know, the word says, one, love others as you love yourself. So, yes, we should absolutely love others and we should love ourselves. But also the word says that we should put others' needs ahead of our own. And can you imagine if we all lived in a world, meaning in our homes, at work, in our community, in our friendships, where we put others' needs before our own. I mean, that would make a difference. That would show the world that we are different and may draw other people to Christ. In I was thinking about my journey, my own journey with this word servant. And in 2017, God had given me two words of the year that I was focused on. Uh, being present was one and serving was the other. And I have to tell you about my journey with being present another time. But for serving, I really thought it meant serving my community. So I got involved in some community activities. I mean, I met the best mentee ever. Hey, Helen, if you're listening. Um, I got involved in some things in my church. I was just spending more time in serving others. But pretty early in the year, God showed me that he also meant, with that word serving, he also meant serving at home and serving my husband. Now, wow, <laughs> that was tough for me. I mean, I love my husband dearly. He's amazing. He's kind. He's smart. He's my very best friend. I mean, I love him and I love spending time together. So this has nothing to do with him per se. It was all about me. But I, you know, I would say that I had cultivated what I call a more independent mindset. I mean, my mom and the other women of her day served my dad and their husbands faithfully. And I just remember thinking growing up, I mean, that seems like a bit much. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to do all of that. So I really spent 2017 trying to figure out what it meant to be a servant at home. 
And so I started doing things I'd never done before. Maybe hadn't done in a very, very, very long time. So I was fixing lunches. I was doing little tasks for them. You know, I was um, making breakfast in the morning. Now, my breakfast is yogurt and a piece of toast, you know, coffee, something like that. But nonetheless, I was doing it. And it's so funny because in early 2018, my husband and I took the love languages quiz, just a quick online version. And I learned that his love language was acts of service. We've been married for 20 years, so I don't know how exactly I missed that, but I'm glad I finally got it. So, but what I'm saying is that we are called to serve. Jesus says specifically that we're not to operate in positions of authority as the world does, that we should be different. You know, so for me, I've been working on how do you serve at home and where should you be working on being a better servant? You know, maybe you're awesome at home. You serve your, your family, your parents, your children, your spouse, you know, your extended family in an amazing way, but you find it hard to serve others at work who are in positions of authority. Where is it for you? You know, that's really what you want to focus on. And we want to talk about one practical way that you can, one, not lord your rulership, and two, serve others from a position of authority. So that position could be anything. A manager, a parent, a child caring for an elderly parent, a friend, whatever it might be. How can you focus on serving other people and not lording our authority over them? So this show is always about practical application and will always have a practical application component. So today's practical tip is be accountable to God and to someone else or be accountable to God and to others. So the first question always is, are we in an ongoing personal relationship with Christ so that we can be convicted, first of all, learn of him, and then to be convicted and repent as needed when we are off you know, off the path that he would have us to be on. So are we spending quiet time with him so he can show us where we need to grow up, where we need to change? That's really job one in being accountable. First, we have to be accountable to God, to Jesus Christ, and to the Holy Spirit that resides on the inside of us. Once we're doing that, my second question would be, who on earth are you accountable to? You know, freedom can really reveal our true selves. When you have the authority to do what you want to do, sometimes your true self can be revealed. And I was thinking about the golden calf even. Um, you know, Moses went up onto the mountain to commune with God. And while he's up there, you know, he, there are still other leaders, Aaron and others. But, I mean, the people make a golden calf, right? They start worshiping an inanimate object. So there are times that God hasn't placed us in a position of authority because he knows that our true self isn't ready for that level of unchecked authority. But when God does elevate you to a position of authority, you have to remain accountable first to him, but also to other people. Our church um, several years ago hosted an amazing marriage conference. And I remember one of the conference, one of the speakers at the conference said that we should allow those closest to us to be our transformation partners. Meaning your spouse, your children, your parents, close coworkers, your manager, your ministerial leadership at church. Those people that see you on a regular basis can see things that oftentimes we miss. And if we allow them and encourage them to do so, they can really be truth tellers to us and help us to transform in ways that it would be very difficult to do on our own. So doing so, we're making ourselves accountable to them. And I was thinking one way you can know if you're doing this is to look at and think about your response to feedback. 
So I'm not saying it's easy to hear about things we're not doing well. It's, it's not. Um, you know, when we hear we're not doing something well, we could do better. That's not always easy to hear. But we do need to be able to receive that feedback in a way that says, you know what, I'm grateful you thought enough of me and enough of our relationship to share it. And I am really going to think about it. And if I find that it is accurate and on point, I am going to do something about it. And when you're in that moment of receiving the feedback and you don't have the right words to say, so, you know, you're not in a position to say, thank you so much for the feedback. I'm so grateful. Maybe your flesh has risen up, you're emotional. I mean, you just don't have those words. Then one thing we can all say is thank you. Really. I mean, we can think about it later. We can decide if we're going to do something about it later with God and the Holy Spirit can you know, show us what we're supposed to do in relationship to that feedback, if anything. But in the moment, we can certainly say thank you. And our children and the little people in our lives can be great transformation partners if we allow them to. You know, little people give feedback in small and big ways pretty regularly if we let them. And we can become better because of it. And I was, I'll give you all a quick example. I was um, in the last week or so. My daughter and I were in the car. We were running around doing, you know, lots of errands because we we're hosting an event the next day. And I pulled into the garage and I remember I saw my husband doing something that I, in my mind, I was thinking, why are you doing that when we have all these other things that need to be done? And my daughter could clearly see the look on my face. And, you know, people who know you well know what you're thinking a lot of times, could see the look on my face. And she just gently put her hand on my hand and said, be nice. <laughs> And I thought it's so funny to me now. I mean, at the time, you know, what I could have done and how I could have responded is, why don't you stay out of grown folks business <laughs> or let me handle this or whatever. And I don't know. I might have said something like that. I don't remember. But I do remember before I got out of the car, I took it in and I got out of the car with a different mindset and I didn't even say anything about it. And, you know, if we let them, we need to allow other people to check us. And when they do check us to respond in a grateful way that says, I appreciate you thinking enough of me in our relationship to let me know. And we can all agree for the next week I want to hear it. We can all agree to at least say thank you, right, to the feedback that we receive. So um, that is my challenge to you for the rest of this, the rest of this week until we are together again. But before we leave, I want to answer a listener question. You know, sometime during every episode, we're going to choose a listener question to answer. And you can submit your questions by sending an email to me via our church email, which is agreen, A-G-R-E-E-N, at lifechangingfaith.com. Or you can visit IamAKingdomLeader.com. IamAKingdomLeader.com. But as you all know, this is our first show. So we didn't have any listener questions in queue. So I sent a note to two of my very best friends and asked them, you know, tell me a question you have on the topic of servant leadership. And certainly first, isn't it a blessing to be able to talk to friends about godly leadership? But they both responded, and I picked one of those questions. And the question is, is servant leadership something people are born with? And I'm going to say, you know, use the word gifted, or can it be learned? So is servant leadership something you're gifted, or can it be learned? And my answer to this, based on the word because what else really matters except the word and answering questions is yes and yes. 
So first, while we may or may not be born with it, leadership is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As we give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and resides on the inside of us and gives each of us and all of us that follow Christ gifts. In Corinthians 12, also in Romans 12, Paul describes the gifts of the Spirit. And a couple of them relate to what I think we think about when we say the word leadership. One of those is administration. And many have described administration as being able to lead others in the accomplishment of tasks, being really good at organizing people and things. The Greek word for administration talks about someone who can steer a ship into a harbor. And my husband was in the Navy, so I know that's a very difficult job to do. So if you're someone who can organize things and people well, so the mission is completed, you may have the gift of administration. Um, in Romans 12, the Bible also mentions the gift of leadership. And thinking about the difference between the gift of leadership and administration, some have said that the gift of administration may be more focused on organizing and leading processes and tasks, so someone who's very detail-oriented, and the gift of leadership may be more focused on leading and growing people. But either of those gifts can be very beneficial to positions of authority because both can be used to grow people and get things done, right? So they're both very helpful. But everyone in a position of authority, you know, you may not operate out of those two specific gifts, and maybe that's you today. Perhaps you're in that position of authority because God knew that what the people needed most right now was encouragement, and encouragement is another gift of the Spirit. Or perhaps the people need a great example of giving, and your gift is giving. You give cheerfully, you give humbly, um, and you know the blessings that come from giving. So God knows your gifts, right? And God knows all things. And the word says that he establishes all authority. So two of the gifts I talked about, administration and leadership, but you may be in a position of authority and have other gifts as well. That's why the word says that we are just one member of the body of Christ. We are instructed to rely on the gifts of others in carrying out his will. So that regardless of the gift that we have, we all need to be wise enough to recognize the gifts in operation around us because those gifts are going to be necessary in completing whatever God has called us to complete. Just like the human body, we need every member working well in order to be effective. So yes, leadership or administration are very useful in positions of authority. They are two gifts of the Holy Spirit along with many others. But the word says we shouldn't desire one gift or the other because they're all beneficial to the people that we serve. So yes, servant leadership, leadership administration can be a gift. And yes, the other part of her question, servant leadership can and should be learned. You know, God can and does change all of us as we submit our will to him. Thank God. Hallelujah. We can change. <laughs> In Romans 12, the same chapter where God talks about the, some of the gifts, the Bible says we shouldn't be conformed to this world, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And just after that, the word also says that we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. So can we be transformed? Can we learn? Yes. But it doesn't happen on its own. You know, so one question I would ask someone and I ask you if you're wanting to become a better leader, is what are you reading? What are you listening to? Certainly this program is a great start, but what else are you reading and listening to? And how well do you know the gifts of those who are around you? 
There are so many scriptures and great examples in the Bible of how to lead and interact with others. You know, Christ, Paul, Joshua, Nehemiah, David, they're just an amazing number of examples of godly leadership. So I would ask you, what are you working on? Right now, you know, I'm focused on identifying and rooting out pride wherever I see it. I've been asking God to reveal it to me and then resisting it. You know, that's one of the things I'm working on along with other things. So yes, servant leadership can be learned. It should be learned. And we should all be constantly getting better. The Bible says we should stir up the gift, meaning we have to operate in it, become skilled in our work and labor, be diligent so that we can be of the greatest good to the body of Christ. And if we do that with a humble spirit, God is going to give us everything we need to accomplish his will. And when we mess up, which we will, <laughs> we're going to be accountable to him and to someone else so that our mind can be renewed in that area and we can be better and better examples of Christ the next day. So one way you can become more skilled is I encourage you to reread the book of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 20 through 28, uh, because it is just so instructive on leadership. And we're all leaders. Every time you have the opportunity to positively influence someone else, that is a leadership opportunity. And we want to do it in a way that brings God glory. But of course, the first step to being a kingdom leader is being adopted into the family of Christ. So if you don't know Jesus, our Lord and Savior, as your personal Lord and Savior, we want you to pray this prayer with us and invite him into your life. He's not going to push his way, but he does stand at the door knocking and waiting for you to answer. The book of Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 10 says that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So if you want to give your life to Christ, pray this prayer with us. And you know, I pray this prayer every time I get an opportunity to do so. I know I'm saved and sealed into the day of redemption. But it's a great reminder of the sacrifice and the perfect gift of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's all pray this together. God, I know that I am a sinner and I cannot save myself. And I will not ignore the door when I hear you knocking. By faith today, I answer the door and gratefully receive your gift of salvation. I am ready to trust you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to earth. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you are Lord. I believe you died on the Christ cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead. Thank you for paying the price for my sins and giving me the gift of eternal life. Jesus, I thank you for coming into my heart and I acknowledge you as my Savior and my Lord. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or you just rededicated your life to Christ, write us and let us know. We want to celebrate with you. Find an awesome Bible-teaching, Christ-believing group of believers that will love you, teach you, and hold you accountable. And then let's learn and grow together. You can reach me via my church email address, agreen, A-G-R-E-E-N, at lifechangingfaith.com, or you can reach me via the website, iamakingdomleader.com. 
Thank you again for joining Kingdom Leadership, and we really look forward to having you with us next time so we can all continue to learn and grow together into the kingdom leaders God has called us to be. I love you all, and I look forward to talking with you next time. Thank you for joining Kingdom Leadership, and we pray you were blessed by today's discussion. You can find us next week at the same place, same time. You may also visit us online to access past episodes and submit questions for future shows by visiting IamAKingdomLeader.com. God is calling us to lead in a way that gives Him glory, attracts others, and advances His kingdom. God bless you.